0: The Computed Podcast starts right now.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the Asmund and Beauty Podcast. I'm Dan Budick, joined alongside, as always, by Jake Asmund. Jake, special show today. We're going to be joined by John Jastrzemski of WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. John's a Syracuse alum. So we're going to talk March Madness, Syracuse, the wacky season they've had up and down. And we're also going to talk Jet Giant offseason. And the biggest news around here in New York basketball... Phil Jackson, the new president of basketball operations for the New York Knicks.
0: Big news surrounding the sporting world. Of course, March Madness being the biggest national story. Tournament starting up. we got to get to it all with John Dostromsky. And those who don't know John Dostromsky, he's one of the best up-and-coming talents in all of sports talk radio out there. He got to start from winning the Fantasy Phenom Contest through WFAN. And he's had the job ever since on WFAN and, of course, on CBS Sports Talk Radio. So we got to get to it all with John. He was nice enough to give us time. And we're going to get to it right now with John Dostremsky. Right after the break. John Dostremsky coming right up. You are listening to the Asman and Buted podcast on ictv.org and on iTunes. One shot. One we have on the line now John Dostremsky of WFAN and CBS Radio. John's a prominent host in the city. JJ after dark, JJ as you know. Dark. John, thanks so much for coming on.
2: Guys, my pleasure. Anything for a couple of Ithaca kids, you know. My uh, sister actually graduated from that fine institution. Really?
1: Uh,
0: Oh, I knew you were a huge graduate. That is
2: correct. Yeah, she graduated, I want to say, last year. So, uh, you know, anything for a couple of Ithaca kids. No question.
1: Well, thanks again, John. And, you know, we're going to start off a little March Madness. We're going to start off Louisville. You surprise our four seed? I don't think
2: there's any question, guys. Now, listen, I don't think Louisville, considering the body of work, was good enough to be a number one seed. They did not beat enough quality opponents. They were not nearly as prolific as they should have been throughout the course of the regular season. So, look, I wouldn't have given Louisville a number one seed, but did I certainly look at the bracket on Sunday, and was I surprised that they fell all the way to a four line? Oh, there's no doubt about it. And listen, I think there's no question about it. When you look at Louisville as a whole, you have them as one of the big favorites to win the tournament. And when they're going to be seated as a number four, that's when you know the tournament committee got it wrong. Yep.
0: Now, John, I know you are obviously a Syracuse graduate. You were big on the Q's all oh, year. I follow you on Twitter. I see the, <laughs> the tweets, the Instagram, the, you know, the whole thing, as Steve Summers would say. But I got to ask you: Are you, uh, you know, what is your expectations for Syracuse at this tournament? They went from number one and they finished as only a three seed heading into the tournament.
2: Well, listen, guys, they are not playing big time basketball, and you look at the magical ways they were able to go out there and win games earlier in the season. It's almost as if the basketball gods over the last two or three weeks, they've evened up the score because the Cues has fell in short in a lot of close games that they were winning earlier in the year. Now, can Syracuse go on a deep run? I don't think there's any question. They have a big-time point guard. They have a great defense with the 2-3 zone that is going to help them once they escape conference play, once they get into an NCAA-type bracket like they're going to be in here. And it helps that they're playing the first two games in Buffalo, which is essentially going to be a home court for the Cues. But Syracuse lost five out of seven down the stretch. They're struggling to score the basketball. Let me put it this way, guys. I wouldn't be surprised if Syracuse got knocked out round one or round two. Wouldn't surprise me at least. That all being said, if we're sitting here next weekend and Syracuse is, let's say, in the elite eight of the final four, I also wouldn't be surprised. I think they are one of those teams that could go a variety of different ways. And the question I have, are they going to be able to find secondary scoring besides Ennis and besides cJ fair if they can get that secondary scoring they can make a deep run in this dance if they don't they could be bounced quickly
1: well you talked about losing five out of the last seven games you know prior to that on the big streak those close games against Pittsburgh were you worried as a guy a Syracuse grad guy who watches the team often were you worried that maybe they were going to slump down a stretch and fall you know in the standings
2: honestly no guys I'm gonna be honest I was just marveling at the way this team was finding ways to win games. Then I figured, listen, I was never one of these people that thought Syracuse was going to run the table and go undefeated. I figured in the ACC, sooner rather than later, even after starting off the year twenty-five and zero, I figured they'd lose a the game. They'd be okay. They'd right the ship, but they really struggled losing to teams like Boston College and Georgia Tech. Those are terrible basketball teams, and when you lose those type of teams at home, that to me shows you that maybe something is not right when it comes to the Orange. I think that's what it came down to. When I saw those performances back-to-back, you look at Georgia Tech, you look at Boston College, that's what really got me very much raving the sound of alarm, waving the red flag when it comes to the keys.
0: Now, John, looking at the rest of this tournament, do you have a couple of sleeper teams in mind that you think can maybe surprise people and go on a bit of a run in this tournament?
2: Yeah, I do. Listen, I think when you look at this tournament as a whole, guys, the one bracket or region you're not going to look for a sleeper team would be the Midwest because Wichita state, you want to talk about a team that certainly got the short end of the stick. Oh my
0: God. If they're going man, undefeated yeah,
2: to have, I mean, guys, to have Duke, Michigan, Louisville, all in your bracket and pop. And I don't even like Kentucky at all this year, but that Kentucky possibly in an eight, nine games, that is not easy in the least bit. So in the Midwest, I don't really have a sleeper to me without question. The weakest bracket or the weakest region is the West. I've said all year I'm not enamored with Arizona. You take away Brandon Ashley, that's just a much different team. So I would not be shocked at all if you're looking at a team that's like a 4 or 6 or a 7 coming out of the West. Because look at one, two, three. Yeah. Arizona, I'm not enamored with them. Wisconsin, name me the last time a Wisconsin team has ever done anything of circumstance here in the NCAA tournament. I don't like them in the least bit. And Creighton, guys, is not any good. I saw Creighton at Madison Square Garden. If they run into an athletic team, they are going to get run out of the gym. And I think Baylor is going to be a really brutal matchup for them in the second round, assuming, of course, Baylor can go out there and beat Nebraska. To me, I would not be shocked if Baylor or Oklahoma State, who is a nine seed, ends up making the final four out of the West. So as far as my sleepers, I think that's where you're going to find the deepest of sleepers out in that West region.
1: All right, JJ, you transition us per- uh, perfectly, your final four. Are you the type of guy that changes it up to the last minute, or are you locking in when the bracket's release on Sunday and that's your final four?
2: Um, Depends on the year. This okay. year I actually have been pretty steadfast about it, where I was watching the selection show, and I'm thinking to myself, there's a couple of different ways I could go. In the south region, I felt very good about Florida. I think Florida's going to get to the final four. I think they have been in the Elite Eight the last three years. they got a lot of veteran players on that team. I think Florida gets to the Final Four. I think Louisville gets to the Final Four. I like them over Duke in the Elite Eight. I wanted to pick Wichita State really badly to get to a Final Four this year, guys. I really yep. did. But I just couldn't do it in that East, in that Midwest region. It was just way too good. So I have Louisville getting to the Final Four. Then in the East region, this is where I'm going to probably get a little, I guess, a little bit off the cusp, a little bit off the wagon, if you will. I like Iowa State wow. to get to the Final Four. Okay. I don't think they get enough credit. I don't think they get enough respect. They're coming out of a big-time conference. The Big 12, to me, was the best conference in college basketball this year. You have Edgem. You have guys who could score up and down that team. You go. Hoyberg's a terrific coach. I think Iowa State can beat Michigan State, and I like them to get to the Final Four. And then in the West region, this was tough because usually I don't like to go off the beaten path too much, and I may look like an idiot for this pick, but I got Baylor in the Final Four, guys. That's just one of those – I don't like one, two, and three, and I didn't want to pick Oklahoma State. Even though I do have an Oklahoma State Baylor Elite uh, Elite Eight or regional final, Mm -hmm. I think Baylor is a team that can go on a bit of a run. They are explosive. They have some guys who can put the ball in the bucket. They're as athletic as any team in the country. Call it a hunch. Call it a funny feel. I think Baylor could go out there and have a really deep run in this tournament.
0: JJ, who do you have in your national championship game, and who do you have winning the whole thing?
2: I have the mentor going up against the protege. I have Pacino in Louisville. I have Donovan in Florida. And I have Billy Donovan in the Gators going out there winning the national championship. I think you look at what that team can do defensively. You look at the veteran leadership. You combine all of those things into one. I like... Florida to get it done this year. I think they cut down the nets down in Dallas when it's all said and done.
0: Now we also have to ask you about Phil Jackson coming to the Knicks. Very quickly, you know, obviously a lot of the talk in New York City has been about this big move. I want to know what are your thoughts on the move and do you actually believe James Dolan when he says that he's going to actually give full basketball decisions to Phil Jackson?
2: Well, guys, I want to believe James Dolan. <laughs> I hope
0: certainly hope do. that <laughs> I certainly hope that ends up being the case.
2: I think I speak for any Knicks fan out there. When you hire somebody who's got all the championships and is done and is accomplished as much as Phil has accomplished throughout his career as an NBA head coach, you would hope that James Dolan would get the hell out of the way, let Phil Jackson run the operation, and then you hope that you can get the Knicks in their return to prominence and getting back to winning basketball and winning ways. I've got to see you to believe it. It's not that I don't trust Phil Jackson. I do. I'm just skeptical when it comes to James Dolan. How could you not be? But all in all here, I don't know how you can look at the move as a Knicks fan and say you're not excited and it's not a good move because when it comes down to the simple fact of who's going to run your team, is it Steve Mills or Phil Jackson? I don't know about you guys. I will take... The Phil Jackson any day of the week I'll take
1: I'll take the 13 rings I'll, I'll take the 13 rings any day and you know Phil Jackson mentioned yesterday in his press conference he sees Carmelo Anthony's in in the long term plans for the Knicks obviously some reports came out today Houston maybe Melo's interested in the Bulls is Melo coming back to the Knicks JJ?
2: I still think he is guys and I've been on record as saying this here for quite some time I think Carmelo Anthony never wanted to leave New York to begin with you look at what's out there yes Chicago could be interesting that's for sure Yes, Houston would be an intriguing option with Dwight Howard and with James Harden, and that would be a terrific team if you put the three of them together. But I think all in all here, Carmelo Anthony has always wanted to end up being a member of the New York Knicks. So, yes, I think there will be suitors, but I think this Phil Jackson move is going to go a long way in easing the pain and the concern moving forward. So I think Melo ends up remaining with the
0: Knicks. Very quickly, before we get to the Jets and Giants and touch on the uh, free agency, I want to know, who do you think is going to be the next head coach of the New York Knicks? Because we all know Mike Woodson's not coming back.
2: No, Woodson is not coming back. Now, listen, you're going to hear a lot about Steve Kerr over the next couple of weeks. I'm not 100% sold that Kerr wants to get out of the broadcasting business quite yet. The guy has had a terrific run over at TNT, and he's doing the NCAA tournament, Final Four, and all that good stuff, so... I don't know if Kerr is ready to dive right back in as far as being a head coach, but I would tell you this, guys, look for names that are going to have ties to Phil Jackson, whether it's Kurt Randis, Bill Cartwright, those sort of names. You're going to see somebody who has ties to Phil Jackson end up getting the job. That's really the only prediction I would make. That means not Mike Woodson. That means not even a head coach who maybe has had some sort of, past accomplishment along the way here, somebody like Lionel Hollins or George Call, somebody to that extent, you're not gonna see that here. I would look for somebody who has a relationship with Phil.
1: Real quick, John, moving over to the NFL. Jets Giants offseason. For the Jets, John Idzik, it's, it's been it's been it's been it's been rocky the last couple of days, obviously since uh Dominic Rogers Camarty signed with the Giants, left the Jets facility. We all heard about it. Are are you worried if you if you're on at Jet Camp?
2: Well, yeah, to a certain degree. I'm not jumping off the plank quite yet because I think there's certainly a lot of time here to address your roster because remember last year at this time we probably would have been saying right that the Jets were a 2-14 and 14 type football team and they ended up going out there winning eight games but the secondary is a mess needs work the Jets need another playmaker or two the Jets could use another guy on that offensive line or although Willie Colon coming back is an absolute no-brainer with a good move He played really well for the Jets last year. So, listen, I wouldn't be jumping off the plank quite yet. Here's the biggest problem I have with the Jets. Are they going to get consistent quarterback play this year to really improve their team and get to that next level? And whether it's Geno Smith, whether it's any of the names that are out there, I don't know if that's going to be a yes to that question.
0: Now, you mentioned the quarterback play, and that brings me to my next question to you. Is Michael Vick the guy that the Jets are rumored to be interested in? Would he be your choice as the backup quarterback to bring in to compete with Geno Smith and try and push him along?
2: Well, here's the thing. If they bring in Michael Vick, he's not going to be a backup guys. He will totally outshine Geno Smith in any sort of quarterback competition. Look at last year. Nick Foles, who played really well for the Philadelphia Eagles, played really, really well. He got outdone by Michael Vick in a quarterback competition, and it took an injury to Michael Vick for him to regain his job. I think the exact same situation would play out. Now, I think Vick would be an upgrade over what they have, but here's the thing you got to wonder when it comes to Michael Vick. Number one, you know full well he's not playing 16 games, not capable of doing so. The body breaks down over and over and over again. So to me, I don't know how much sense that makes, but here's the problem. What veteran quarterback are they bringing back? You don't want Mark Sanchez on this team. I'm sorry. You cannot bring Mark Sanchez back onto this team. Maybe you make a run at Matt Schaub. Maybe you make a run at Sean Hill. I don't know what veteran quarterback is out there where you say to yourself, he can push Geno Smith and he can legitimately play. That is where I think the Jets run into a bit of a problem here. And that's why I think almost by default, Maybe Michael Vick is the best option you have.
1: Well, that's the thing. I know the Jet, You know they want Geno Smith to be the quarterback of the team. Is bringing in a Michael Vick necessarily the best thing for Geno Smith? I mean, I think you know, like you mentioned, there's really not a guy out there that they could bring in a veteran just to push him. Shabb's not going to want to do it. Vick's not going to want to do it. I, I-, I think Mike Sims might end up being the backup. I don't know if they're going to go out and bring in Michael Vick, especially because they want Geno Smith to be the starter. We know John Izzo went out, drafted him in the second. They want Geno Smith to be the quarterback. I don't know what they're going to do with quarterback.
2: I'll tell you the name I'd bring up. If you want Geno to be the starter, but you want to have somebody out there who can play, Sean Hill, who is backing up Matty Stafford for the Detroit Lions, is that type of guy. Sean Hill started in this league. He's not the be-all, end-all. But if you needed him to go out there and play a couple of games, he would be able to do so. I just don't believe that the Jets are 110% sold on what they've seen out of Geno Smith. Do they want him to be the starter? He started last year for the most part played better down the stretch? Yes, he did. But I don't know in the Jets' heart of hearts if they look at this guy and say, wow, he's going to be our quarterback for the next eight years.
0: Now, before we switch to the Giants, very quickly, were you surprised that De'Reau Revis chose to sign with the Patriots for only a one-year deal?
2: No, not in the least bit. Where else was he going to go? I think, number one, Darrell Revis wanted to get paid he was able to accomplish that from the Patriots as Number usual too of course. Nobody in their right mind and I know that there were reports and I know people were trying to spew this up. There was no way Darrell Reeves was going back to the Jets. That that ship had sailed a long time ago. There was clearly bad blood between both sides. I never believed for a minute that we were going to be looking at a case where Darrell Reeves reunited with his buddies back in New York. I didn't think Reeves was going back to the Jets. And I think Revis wanted to get paid, wanted to pay play for a winner, gets both of those with the Patriots
1: now, obviously Les cap moving over to, to the other team at plays at play MedLife Stadium, the Giants. Les cap They've done a lot this offseason. What do you like the Giants have done so far?
2: Giants have retooled that defense. They've retooled the offensive line. Two things they really needed to do. They're going to miss Linval Joseph, who played really well for them. I honestly do have an issue with letting go of Justin Puck. I know you look at Puck's numbers last year and you say, "Wow, double digit sacks." Maybe there's some gas left in the tank. I don't necessarily believe that's the case. I think Justin Puck has been overrated here for the last couple of years. Didn't have an issue with him leaving. Bringing in Rodgers Cromarty, bringing back Beason, bringing in Jameel McClain. Like what the Giants have done defensively, and I like what they've done on the offensive line. Those were two major positions of need. They have been able to retool. Giants got to continue to get younger on defense. They could definitely use another offensive lineman or so. And I think bring it back. Mario Manningham will help him. I don't think Manningham is ever going to be a number two wide receiver like he was a couple of years ago. But you put them in the slot, Victor Cruz, Randall, Jernigan, Manningham, I think the Giants offensively will have weapons at their disposal, and you hope Eli Manning can go out there and play better football, because guys, he stunk last year. Let's let's go like we see it. was it. awful. You couldn't make any excuse in the book, and I know that the offensive line was not great, and the running game was not great, and you bring in Rashad Jennings, that's certainly going to help. But Eli Manning played dreadful football, really for the last year and a half, and that's gonna change if the Giants are gonna get back to the postseason, back to winning ways.
0: Well, you mentioned the key for the Giants, of course, it always comes down to the quarterback, the two time Super Bowl M V P that's been doing it for them for you know the, how many years Eli's been in New York, right? Is Eli Manning the key to this Giants team going forward? We all know the NFL is contingent on the quarterback play, but the Giants have a very the Giants are clearly, you know, going for it now. Is Eli Manning gonna have a much better season than he had a year ago? I mean he was as you just said, he was awful a year ago.
2: Guys, he can't be any worse. Honestly, he cannot be any worse. Look at the numbers. Look at the way he's played. Honestly, he cannot go out there and give you a worse effort. I wouldn't expect that in the least bit. If he's going to be able to have the year he had in 2011 when the Giants went out and won a Super Bowl, that I think remains to be seen. I have no idea if he's capable of doing that anymore at this stage in his career, but I would say he will play better than he did a year ago. I'm fairly confident to say that.
1: John, I mean, this is this. Do you think this is the quarterback that Eli Manning is? Obviously, we've seen great things at him, but I mean, he's not. Do you think he's going to be able to get back to that 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 elite level that he played at three years ago when they won a Super Bowl?
2: Guys, that's a million dollar question. I think he can go back to being a very solid NFL quarterback. Can he have the type of year he had in 2011? I'm skeptical. I really am because here's the thing with Eli Manning: we know he rises to the occasion. We know when the money's on the line, he'll go out there more often than not make big throws, make big plays. But he's a turnover-prone quarterback. You're going to have to live with that. He's a guy that's going to go out there and make some mistakes. You're going to have to live with that. And later in the career, maybe the arm strength diminishes a little bit. Maybe this happens. Maybe that happens. Happens to a lot of great quarterbacks over the years. So, to me, I'm very curious to see how he's going to play moving forward. But I'll say this. He's a prideful guy. He's not 40 years old quite, you know, Right in here and now So I would expect him To play much better next season I think he will have a bounce back here How much of a bounce back here? We're going to find out
0: John, thanks so much for joining us That's John Jastrzemski of uh, WFN And of course at CBS Sports Radio Thanks so much for coming on, John Thanks, John
2: Guys, my pleasure Appreciate it We'll do it again soon Good luck, All right.
0: Thank you Thank you for listening to the Asmund and Budic Podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.